This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, buddy. Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast, episode 57. I'm your host, Spencer, joined, as always, by Michael. Hello, everybody. I would like to direct your attention to Chris Beard's latest fireside chat because he mentions a restaurant in Post, Texas that I've never heard of with a very intriguing name. Have you have you seen this yet, Spencer? I have not. Okay, so today his recommendations were uh, Holly's Drive-In and Post. Yep, heard of that one. Said to get a malt. Yeah. I've eaten at Holly's. Holly's is good. It's just right on that main 84, rolling right through On the town. main drag. On the main drag. <laughs> and uh, the his other recommendation was for a place called Moose Knuckles. That <laughs> <laughs> can't be... On the outskirts of Post. A savory place. He, they apparently make a great burger. So if if any of y'all in the post area, in the post Tri County area, <laughs> Linegar Terry or uh, Lynn Terry Garza County, sorry, I was saying the co-op because it's named after all three counties. If you're within that area, let us know about Moose Knuckles Burgers and if Moose Knuckles, if Chris Chris Be- or Coach Beard is correct in his assessment of it being one of the top five burgers in the state. So here's something. In, in regards to burgers, um, my they're, they're they're great. Yes, I I still need to we still need to figure out a time to go to Christakis. Yes, but when I told my director that we had gone to Joel's, she's like, "Oh, that, that sounds like a place like she so." She said that sounds like it's out there by a place called Cuevas, and it's another hole in the wall Mexican restaurant. She's like, "You don't go there for the Mexican food. You go there for the burgers." No way. And the girl that she went with was like, well, where's a Mexican food restaurant? I got to get like a, a cheese enchilada. And then she said they came up with a cheese enchilada with the chili sauce on it, whatever. And like a craft single melted over the top of it. <laughs> She's like, maybe this was a bad choice. But the burger was really good. I was like, well, I've yeah. never heard of Cuevas before. Me neither. I hadn't heard of that one either. If you've heard of Cuevas, y'all, um, you have to let me know what the burgers are. Yeah. Uh, back to Beards real quick. He He recommended a couple of songs. Of course, uh, Nothing I Can Do About It Now by Willie Nelson. It's a good one. I think that was off the Redheaded Stranger album. I'm not sure. And See, then, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, And then Friends by Houdini, which is an old rap song from the 80s. And I tried to listen to it. No. Couldn't couldn't even. It was It's just It's really bad. <laughs> his, his taste in music is was, something else. That one was hard to get through. I, and I didn't. I didn't make it through. Maybe it got better. I should have given it more of a chance. But it was some early, early rap. I'm not going to even attempt to try to flow or anything like that, but it was <clears throat> a little dated. 
Anyway, what so, were we talking about? We're going to talk about our top five movie vehicles. Yep. Before we get into sports night, this is something I think we we mentioned on the recording last week. I'm like, we have to get into this next week. Yeah, yeah. We we tabled it. We tabled it for another week. Um, unsurprisingly, Michael's list is filled with old cars that are junkers. How dare you? We will go... You have two of the same car on your list. We will go one through five and then honorable mention. Because I, I, I had several on the list. I was like, they're cool and they're cool enough to mention. Like, they're an honorable mention. exactly what they are. But they're not top five. So, my list. One to five. Number one, 67 Mustang Shelby GT500. Eleanor. Will this be Eleanor? Eleanor. From... You know, if you look at a movie specifically, it's from Gone in 60 Seconds, but if you know the vehicle, you know it's... Is it from... Now, that was a remake, wasn't it? Yeah, so the the more recent one with uh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Let's ride. <laughs> and he did a really good impersonation of Cage there. <laughs> when he's psyching himself up to actually... How did Robert Duvall get talked into that movie? That's fantastic. I love that he was in that. Which is funny because I think that's one of the first movies of his I ever saw. No. So really? I had no idea what, how, like, what an actor he was before this. So you're like, oh, this guy's also in Deep Impact. <laughs> that's, that was your Robert Duvall knowledge? Basically, yeah. Um, number two, I, I think it's, this is the vehicle that probably sparked this conversation. Well, it sparked the ranking. The conversation we started was last week in the Slack chat with Keith. This is the 1975 Chevrolet K5 Blazer from Last Action Hero. And if you haven't seen this, it is a early to mid-90s action spoof type movie. But it's not like as ridiculous as as a spoof would, would sound. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger as a movie action hero that comes somehow... It, it's if you haven't seen it, it, it's hard to describe. the The kid watching the movie gets into the movie at one point, so they're like, they're in the movie, and then there's a point where they both come out of the movie. Oh, anyways, th- this this blazer is actually his daughter's vehicle in the movie, lifted like mini monster truck type lift with the massive tires. It was one of the, the convertibles, so like it had the, the top. Oh yeah, off. the top's gone. I don't think I've, black with the 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 white and red flames come up. The, oh, we need to bring those back. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Oh, it's great. But I have that video game on Game Boy, <laughs> and I never, I could never get past. It was either the first or second level because something just never made sense to me. It just was not a very well, it was great conceived video game. That was on, great. We talking about on the original Game Boy. Still got it. Number three, Aston Martin DB10 from. One of the latest James Bond movies, Spectre. The the whole like connection between James Bond and the Aston Martin vehicles are quite noted. Quite. The, and, and I think all of them from like the the more current like DB six or whatever it was, um, from like Casino Royale and like the last three of them have been really great vehicles. You, you've got an older one on the list. Casino Royale is. One of the best scored Bond movies, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, and of course, all, all the all the gadgets that come with a James Bond vehicle make this awesome sports car just that much better. Oh yeah. 
Number four. Oh, this is a great one. 1985 Ferrari Modena GT Snyder Spider. Sorry, I was a typo. Spider California from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. Fantastic movie. Fantastic car in the movie. And the poor guy is like <laughs> he's trying to, to roll back the miles and like they're running on like reverse. That always drove me nuts because that's you, not how that you works. Didn't, you didn't have to floorboard it with. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The jack up for 30 minutes before realizing, hey, this isn't working. And then knock it off the jack and have it. Yeah, have your tantrum about how awful your dad is and <laughs> then shoot crash. it off into the, the forest. Into the valley. Yeah. Last one is going to be 1970 Dodge Charger from Fast and the Furious from the last scene of the movie. It wasn't. Quarter mile at a time, man. Yeah. It, I don't think it was in the any part of the earlier part of the movie. I don't think. I they, can't they allured to it. It was in the garage. Yeah. A little bit here and there. He was working on it, I think. Probably having some Coronas with me familia. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> get, get ready. They're going to get worse. Um, I was telling Michael, but before we started, I'm a big fan of like the big, chunky muscle cars from like the 70s and 80s. So I've got another Charger on the list. Me too. Um, I just think they're so good. Uh, there's one you had on your list too, which I won't get to it yet. Well, yeah. Um, honorable mention is another Charger. This is the 69 Charger from Dukes of Hazard. And uh, I guess that's from General the- Lee. This is well from, from the, the remake from the Johnny Knoxville movie. Well, it's it's the same. Uh, it's still a good car, dude. It's still okay. Yeah. The the movie was trash, but the car was still okay. Generally, I'll allow it. Um, Michael was ridiculing me for this from the second I walked in the door because I didn't, it, I didn't make the connection to the name of the the vehicle in the movie, but it was the van from Dumb and Dumber. The shagging wagon. Chicks dig it. It's the shagging wagon. <laughs> the furry with the ears and everything. <laughs> well, yeah, because you had it typed up here. It's a 1984 Ford Econoline from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I'm like, you mean the shagging wagon? Yeah. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Well, that's... It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Oh, that's um, a great one. The Batmobile from the Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises series. What they call, do they call it the Tumblr? The Tumblr. Yeah. Um, then last one, I think I, I really angered Michael with this one. 
a little bit because it was so low on my list. The 77 Pontiac Trans Am from Smokey and the Bandit. How, d- how dare you even just, just don't even mention it. It's a, it's a dishonorable mention to wait that long. The more I think about it, the more I would want to include one of your vehicles over this one. Oh, okay. All right. All right so it, it, am I good to start my list? Please. All right. He, he's, he has come with even like quotes from the movie. There's some that's, that's explicit, so he may not. Yeah, I may not. I may not say all of it. Okay, I'm going to start from five to one. He would. <laughs> In five, we're going to a little little jaunt of a movie called Dazed and Confused, where the world first was introduced to Matthew McConaughey as Wooderson he, and so, his 1970 Chevelle SS 454 that he nicknamed Melba Toast. So if if I was going to add a another big bodied uh, muscle car, it would have to be the a Chevelle, a body, a frame, a body, whatever they call those. Yeah, I that's that's like a dream car of mine. Anyway, this exact car, I, I, I would f- take it in just about any color. It doesn't matter. It wouldn't have to be the Melba Toast color with so the I, white racing stripes. I had a friend in high school. He and his dad built and restored one, and then like his dad gave it to him after they were done. Sweet. It's really sweet. It was like candy makes, red with I, the white stripes. I would tear up. I would oh tear my up gosh, if that dude! He was like, we were just like, oh, I'm so jealous, man. Yeah, that was there was one guy in high school that had a. It wasn't a Malibu, but you know, a Malibu was basically that was a a Chevelle was basically a the same thing as a Malibu, but with all the big motor and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But he had a Malibu and that was really cool looking, and I. I was pretty jealous of that. I'm not going to do my Wooderson impression. <laughs> oh, so. he's got the great quote in here. I know. I mean, let me tell you what Melba Toast is packing <laughs> right here. All right. <laughs> yeah, because he does the whole thing, and he he kind of puts his his hand into it. You, you can just picture this is where McConaughey was born. It's it's great. Just go look up the YouTube video of what Melba Toast is packing. It's worth it's worth the thirty seconds. Uh, number four for me is an is an oddball. This is trash. Y'all have heard me talk about this movie. It's a 1974 Dodge Monaco, dressed up as a Mount Prospect, Illinois police car, <laughs> from the classic movie Blues Brothers. And the reason I include this is because it could, uh, it could jump out of buildings, it could jump over bridges, um, it could. Um, it, it ran a bunch of Illinois Nazis off of a bridge into the water. It was uh, you could mount a microphone on it. It was a very versatile machine. Well, you could it, do about anything you needed to with that Monaco. When you talk about like jumping things, the Blues Mobile. It makes me think of like I think back to Dukes of Hazard. There you, you go. You get all these like slow motion of the cars like going off the ramp and landing, and then you see like how badly that car oh, gets jacked up on the landing. Like I wonder how many cars they went through. They had to go through a lot. Because the frames of these cars would get twisted so bad when they land. Like, the wheels wouldn't be touching the ground once they were. Well, in Blues Brothers, they drive it through a mall. They drive <laughs> it through a, completely through a mall. Um, the, the opening scene of the movie is him picking up John Belushi at the prison in a police car. <laughs> that, that pisses off Belushi's character. But then uh, they immediately jump a drawbridge as it's opening. Yeah. That's like the first scene of the movie. It's insane. But the the other uh, aspect of it that I found interesting was the cigarette lighter didn't work. That was kind of a knock on it. But I, I think we could work with the rest of it. Uh, number three for me 
which would be a terrible car to own because I think they all came with little you know, cruddy six cylinders that couldn't get you anywhere, but was a DeLorean. They, uh, the version in the movie of, you know, any of those back to the future movies. If, if you listen to the car, if you listen to the engine that they used, I don't know if they actually had some souped up V8 or something in the DeLorean they used in the movie, or if they just dubbed it over. Yeah. There's no way, there's no way that a DeLorean sounds like that. (laughs) <laughs> but that would be the one you'd want. You'd want the one from Back to the Future, obviously, because you know you can go back in time too. That's kind of cool, as long as you got some Libyan connection with some uranium or whatever it was he used. <laughs> Plutonium, I can't remember. Okay, number two for me is from uh, one of the best James Bond movies ever made, probably the best to me. It's it's my favorite. It's Goldfinger. So you're not a fan of the Pierce Brosnan versions. <laughs> Oh well, <laughs> those were trash. Those were like, those were like the. Um, oh my gosh, that die another day one, where the guy had diamonds in his face, and then there was another guy who was. Uh, he underwent all this facial reconstruction, and was it that one? Yeah, and and I'm trying to think of the like the Batman no. movies at that time too, with like Val Kilmer. Um, oh, Batman Forever. Batman for like that kind of bad. But like yeah. for the the Double O Seven series, I think the first couple Brosnan ones were pretty good, but I never got that into them. I I liked the Connery ones a lot. Some of the Roger Moore ones I can deal with. Big fan of uh, Daniel Craig ones. Mm-hmm. I've I've liked all of those. Quantum of Solace was kind of, but I think a lot of that was because of the writer's strike. But the rest of them have been great. Casino Royale is probably my second favorite. Bond that one movie. was good. So it was um. Skyfall. Skyfall was great. Yeah. Harvey R. Bardem did a really good job with that. Yeah. Adele sang the theme song. Mm -hmm. Man. That was, yeah, that was, I saw that one in IMAX. Anyway, I'm getting derailed. So the Aston Martin DB5 from Goldfinger, that is going to be my number two. (laughs) Ha. And then, uh, of course, my number one. Trash. It's way too high. All the way back to a couple of guys who are trying to go to, Texar Cannon back for 400 cases of cores in a 77 Trans Am. There's a scene in that movie where that Trans Am, well, okay, it jumps a bridge. It does all sorts of cool stuff, too. One, it just looks cool doing it. And then, two, there's a scene where I remember where whoever's driving, it could have been Reynolds, I don't know. They're uh, pulling a U-turn in the street, and one of the rear wheels comes off the ground. Just just as they're turning, they're turning it that hard and you can see it because the, the, the smoke quits, you know, disappears from the fire. It just leans up because it's, there's, there's so much cool action going on. <laughs> anyway, that would, that's my number one. Uh, my honorable mentions, we overlapped some on that. I really like the introduction of the n- new style Camaro in Transformers in the first Transformers movie actually bought a Camaro later on. <laughs> um, and I think that was in 07 when that came out. And then the actual Camaros didn't come out for another three years. But that was really cool. So when did you get yours? Uh, 2010. <laughs> so, and then you traded it in for the truck? No, we traded in for the car hmm. a while back. We had, anyway. And then, of course, the Shaggin' Wagon. That makes my list. 
the bullet Mustang makes my list. It would be a little higher, but it's just not. I don't have a great reason for it. It's a really cool car. Uh, it's it's our, the green is neat. I like that Ford came back and did a bullet version well, about ten years ago, I guess, with a three hundred two or something. I can't remember what they did. And then the other one that you and I kind of remembered at the end was just about any car from Mad Max or Road Warrior. Just oh, yeah. about any of them, because I start I started to try to narrow it down, and then I thought about uh, Fury Road and thought, man, <laughs> any of those vehicles in that crazy mess was was pretty cool so we made it we got we're 20 minutes in and haven't talked sports yet. we haven't talked about sports at all welcome welcome to 23 personnel podcast so let's go ahead and 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 do dive into some some basketball i'm ready no yeah no let's do football first okay let's do football first let's knock that away let's talk about some football um matt wells and his staff have been on the road recruiting if you aren't following him on Twitter, you should be. Um, unlike previous staff, he tweets out whenever there is a recruiting win. Yeah. So the thought is most of them that he's been tweeting out have been guys that are already committed, that are reaffirming their commitment to, to the new staff, or that are previously decommitted that are recommitting. But he t- he tweets out Reckham, and often it comes with a number, because yeah. he's like, oh, this time it was two. Yeah, he didn't have time. Or, he's, or this time it's three. He's a busy guy. He can't tweet out Reckham all day. He just well, and, and the thing is, he's like, gotta go Reckham times two. If he sends out three back to back, and like, does this guy know how to work Twitter, <laughs> or is right. he just <laughs> right? Is um, he just repeating himself? The I guess the biggest news. Um, McIver did not make his his visit to USC this weekend. Still on track to come visit you again this weekend. Um, who's the obviously the, the quarterback commit that decided to open things up? Uh, the defensive end from South Oak Cliff, Stephen Parker, is making an official visit this weekend, where a lot of the commits and recruits are. And then you had a a guy that was either a silent commit or really close to committing to Kingsbury uh, during the season in, oh, I'm blanking on his name, Landon Peterson. Landon, yeah, the lineman. Out of Odessa. Um, so he's officially Matt Wells' first commitment because it wasn't announced beforehand, but he announced his, his commitment to Texas Tech this week. Um, I think the flurry of recruiting activity, especially this past few days, has kind of calmed down some of the the guys carrying the the torches and the pitchforks. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I can't believe we're losing. Everyone's like, well, you have to expect that was going to happen, right? But he's been able to grab a good deal of those guys back. Obviously, he got the first new commit, um, and just things have been they've gotten on a roll lately. So. You have any uh, any hot takes? No, no hot takes. No. I'm, oh, and um, I'm I'm t- I'm recruiting is one of my weakest. The massive facets. Wellington offensive lineman. Yeah. Trevor Robison, Robison, Robison. That, that door is not shut yet. 
No, it, it he came back and said he will be signing with Texas Tech next week. That's great. So six eleven three fifty catching passes in the end zone, right? Um, that's yeah, why we're that's, getting. Him. That's the thing. So, Yost is just he's just ready. He's just ready for a six eleven tight end. <laughs> that's what we need. Brought up the, the the points like, well, I wonder like logistically, physically the the mechanics or whatever of the leverage that a six eleven offensive lineman would give. Like. Okay, let's not have him off in the alignment. Just throw him out there as a tight end and yeah. have him run routes, right? Dang right. <laughs> just blow by everybody and just kind of stand in the corner and get the ball thrown to you. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that um, that big offensive lineman that Baylor had that they started running out there for uh, tight end. And I'm blanking on 400 his name. 400-pound guy. McGowan, yes. Yeah. Um, he wasn't so much tall. He, just, he was massive. Yes. But... There was some other news, I guess. Well, I'm not guessing. There was other news. Antoine Wesley announced yesterday, it was Monday, that he was going to be foregoing his the rest of his eligibility to enter the NFL draft. We kind of saw this coming. There were thoughts that this may be coming. The we we never heard of like a rumored draft grade like a like a, he's like oh he's projected to be a second round or a third round we never right. got those numbers before he came out and said i'm i'm gonna go ahead and go um which i guess was a it led to a little bit more of the surprise of the announcement because with like qt last year and mahomes it was like well they're getting like first and second round grades like well that's that's, a, that's an easy yeah, decision. It's a no-brainer we, had, we haven't heard anything with wesley now I'm not saying it's not it's not good for him to go ahead and go. Um, I think the the thought is everybody that keeps pointing to it, it's like you got to strike while the iron's hot, right? Yeah. Um, you had a fan, fantastic junior season. There's no no guarantee he was going to be better or even duplicate what he did. So he may have hurt his draft stock. Um, well, I, so I would have liked to see him come back. Oh, of as course. a senior, yeah, just because of how how dominant he was. Yeah. I don't, I don't fault him. Not at all. I, I do feel like he probably made the best decision. I, I'm not going to say this in a negative way, but I wonder if he would have stayed if Kingsbury had stayed, just because he could guarantee, kind of the offense would run very similarly or the exact same as it did when he went for 1,400 yards and on 88 receptions, but. I still think he would have been very productive under Yost's offense under I do too. under Wells system that he's going to that they're going to put in place. But I yeah, you just can't fault the guy. He's he's healthy. You know, if he's stuck around another year, maybe he's worried he might get hurt cuz he has been hurt before and had to bounce back from that. But didn't miss any time to injury this this season. Right. He did. That, that I remember. I I don't think so either. I uh Vasher did of course off and on, but I don't think Wesley ever did. Uh, but it's, yeah, I, I hate to see him go just as a selfish aspect, but man, and, and just imagine how, how much his stock would have been if tech would have been able to get him the ball the last two games. Yeah, that would have been, Ugh. cause he would have finished. I think I would have felt better about it. Cause you almost feel like you could have, you would have, you felt like it was more of a proper send off. Because right. those last two games, and, and not not his fault by any means, but those last two games were just, they really dampened and, and uh, 
kind of brought down all of his chances for his awards and the Blitnikoff and all that kind of stuff. Which just was a, went down this, the this tube. a sham. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. Jerry Judy from Alabama winning. Yeah, whatever. Like, it would have been one thing if it was Tylen Wallace from, from Oklahoma State. You can kind of see that comparison. Um, who was the other guy that was also Power Five? Or was it? Or was it? And then the guy from what was it like UMass or somebody? Yeah, it was UMass. And he had ridiculous numbers, but then again, it was like, well, he was like the offense. Um, no, I. Congratulations to Wesley. I really hope it goes yeah. well. I was. We were all hoping that he'd stick around. That maybe his size would be sort of a deterrent, but I don't think it's going to matter. It, you know, somebody like Randy Moss was never bench pressing 310 in the weight room or something he he was kind of a tall lanky guy himself and he did pretty good he did pretty good did all right speaking about doing pretty good in the nfl yeah guys this patrick mahomes guy hey it's a little i've heard about him it's ridiculous that game he had on sunday i missed it it's stupid good we were out running errands and uh when i checked they were down they were down by a touchdown, I think. And then they ended up winning by three. And this was all in the fourth quarter. So I mm-hmm. missed everything that happened. Just the antics that everybody, like, would. The no-look pass, I saw that. That and just, like, trusting his arm talent to make plays where, as it's unfolding, at, when he was a player at Texas, like, you're like, oh, hey, that worked. That was great. That was great. <laughs> there was so much so of that. did that. But we were talking about this in the office this week. He's pretty close, if not on pace, to beat like the all-time NFL single-season touchdown passing record, which was set by Peyton Manning a few years ago. He was 37. Times. He was 37, and he yeah. threw 52 or 55. I can't remember. Yeah, it was in the 50s. This is Mahomes' first year as a starter. <laughs> And he's on pace to break the single season record. Where, where's he at? Is he forty five or something? Or yeah, he's I thought like he was 40, in the forties. Yeah, he's like he's in the forties. Got four games left, so he needs in that like ten to twelve touchdown range with with four games left. Like uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to get it. Also projected to get like fifty five hundred yards, which is just ridiculous. This is the NFL, right? That's not bad. I'm, I'm trying to look it up, okay, just to make sure. Because we want to be accurate in our podcast here. So 43. He's thrown for 43. And he needs, what, 55 or 56? Um, I'll look that I think up. he needs 55 to tie and 56 to, to reset the record. But still, we're talking about matching or beating Peyton Manning's best ever gear. 55. And this is Mahomes' first year as a starter. Yeah. Manning threw 55 in 2013. He was with, uh, with the Broncos. Broncos then. then, yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> so he's he's got two, uh, yeah three more games. Three games needs thirteen. Yeah, that's a stretch. Well, and that's that's before playoffs. Okay, well, hang on, because I, I just want to look this up. Um. And I'm not sure if the record is, is like regular season record or if it's like total season. Because if it's total season, 
Yeah. I don't. I don't think there's any. Well, question he's already gonna, Mahomes is going to pass him. Yeah, he's going to be. Uh, let's see. Dan Marino had 48 in 1984. And where so, does that rank? I, I I can't find just a where I'm at is just by year most most passes per year, and or most touchdown passes per year. So Marino had 48. Uh, Kurt Warner had 41 in 99. He's already passed that. The Rams in 99. You remember how crazy that offense was? Mm-hmm. And he's already got more touchdowns than Kurt Warner did. Uh, Manning had 49 in 2004. He might eclipse that. Brady had 50 in 2007 when they went undefeated. And that Almost. was second all-time. Yep. And then Manning broke that in 2013 but breeze had back-to-back 46 and 43 in 2011 and 2012 last year was pretty pretty low russell wilson had 34 that was the most in uh, 2017 i just can't imagine being a chiefs fan right now in which i am one but by proxy i'm not pretending like i've i grew up in arrowhead stadium and I went to the games with my grandparents. No, I just just kind of watching this unfold as a Chiefs fan has just got to be thrilling. I'm a lifelong Chiefs fan, so it's it's been lifelong great. Chiefs fan. It's yeah. been great. Yeah. Um, one last football update before we move back to basketball. Kingsbury. Yes. For, f- former head coach. Former Cliff Texas Kingsbury. Tech head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Current offensive coordinator for USC Trojans. Michael, you've got a note in our document that he has updated his Twitter profile. Yeah, I also had a sad face emoji. Well, his sad face emoji is colon right bracket. Oh. <laughs> There's no emoji. It's just... You, you get the gist. It's old school. It's, it's the Gen X. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Xennial emoji. emoji. Yeah, he's... Uh, He's no longer TTU Kingsbury on Twitter, which I think is was his old handle. Now mm-hmm. he's just Cliff Kingsbury. He's changed his cover photo and his his profile pic. And his cover photo is of a pier. Strange oh, move. Out into the... Probably uh, the Pacific Ocean. Out into the beautiful Pacific Ocean. With so palm strange. trees. That's not strange. That's just... He probably took that. He probably took that from his, his new hangout. So his profile picture looks like it's kind of a non, but with the guy in the cowboy hat, that's probably like a ranger. So he's like, well, it's that's or a marshal, right? That's still from Texas Tech. I think it's still from Texas Tech too, but it's not. There's no double T's or any anything present. He hasn't tweeted since his thank you note to the the Texas Tech fans. You know what? I've 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 only I've never realized this. Cliff Kingsbury has one like. On Twitter, and it's to congratulate Coach Loxley as the 2018 Broyles Award winner <laughs> for Alabama football. <laughs> that is the only like that he has on Twitter. I think. What's surprising to me? Wow! Is he follows 889 people? I'm sure we're one. We've got to be one of them, right? No. You think he's listening right now? He's probably listening. Yeah, probably. No, so those are probably. Coach, like, I hope things are going well. I probably really recruits and players, but then of course his follower count one hundred and thirty-two thousand. Yeah, that's no big deal. It's just a normal, normal day. 
That's pretty close to what I have. <laughs> very, very close. All right, basketball. Let's talk about some basketball because that's the season we're in. Besides Christmas, I love basketball season. It's great. It's indoors. It is, especially after uh, the weather we had here in Lubbock this weekend. We had 10 inches of snow. We've had more snow than like than Anchorage, Denver. Alaska, yeah. Denver, some northern cities. The other thing that kind of surprised me, and again, I wasn't, I wasn't in the city for this. That big snowstorm that shut everything down was 11 inches of snow. This weekend, it was 10 inches of snow, and it was like, man, we're fine. Right, right. I don't want to minimize what the city did this time around because it seemed like everything Props, worked. boys. Yeah, I think everything worked really well. But they learned. That first one was just a perfect storm of awfulness because if you if you remember back in 2015 or whenever whatever year that was, mm-hmm. a layer of Dippin' Dots ice fell first. <laughs> and then all that snow. I, I kid you not, I had pictures of it. It looked just like Dippin' Dots, just a sheet of it covered the ground and then the, the snow fell on top of it and then it stayed in the teens for like three days so we had a little bit better yeah Every, the, the weather the cooperated is, a little more but the city did they still i don't want to minimize what they did but lubbock did a, a pretty great job of being on top of all of it so it snowed what was it friday night into saturday by sunday morning i think we had maybe half as much snow left like there's a lot that had melted on Saturday. Uh, I think the weather got like it got like in the mid 30s, so it wasn't like hot. And then Sunday and Monday have both been in the in the 50s. Yeah. So the we had we had just two little piles of snow left in our yard this this afternoon when we came home. They were both where we had um the two snowmen that we built the last little little uh, bastions of snow. We tried to do that. Evelyn just was not into it. I, I took her out to the snow to quote unquote help me shovel the the driveway, and she just kind of stood around. She was she was fine, but I just thought because she's just so energetic and likes to just dive into stuff, and you know, almost hurt herself <laughs> having too much fun. She was not into the snow. Hmm. It just really surprised me. Oh, and my wife took uh, she was out of town this weekend, and I I tweeted one of the photos she took on Sunday morning when she was flying in and the photos she took as they were coming into Lubbock were just phenomenal. There's just completely blanketed ice white. If you could find a wind turbine, it'd be hard to see it. <laughs> turbine. Uh, yeah. One of them wind turbines. What would, <laughs> what was really neat though, was you could tell exactly where the cap rock started mm. because it was not white. It was perfectly fine, but the second you got up on top of that cap rock, everything started getting frosty and everything was white. Hmm. I'll have to show you some of these other pictures that she took. Yeah, so my first flight into Lubbock was, it was for a, I don't know if it was a recruiting trip or if it was a, just a, a campus visit. My mom and I flew out to Lubbock uh, and we met with some of the, the School of Music um, staff. Mm-hmm. Faculty, that's the word for it. <laughs> um, and it it had recently snowed in Lubbock, so we were we were flying in. And I hadn't. My experience with farming was for like East Texas and like Mississippi. Like everything is in, in like in straight rows. They didn't have to be. Their irrigation wasn't dependent on water being pumped out of the ground, right? Right. Yeah. So I, when we were flying in, we were seeing all these the irrigation the circles. I was like, what the 
heck is going on out here? And then I realized, like, oh, it's because they, their, their irrigation, yeah, like their sprinklers, whatever you want to call. I don't know what they're called. Their official name. Uh, just pivots. Usually. Pivots. Yeah. yeah, that's a good term. Like, irrigation okay. pivots. You hear yeah. that? Um, like all, all the fields were just in circles. Like this is nuts. I think the first people to do it were from Plainview. I wouldn't doubt it. I think there, I think it was a lot of stuff that came out from, here. Yeah, rotating apparatus is a big company that I see on I twenty seven that does a lot of that. Um, so we said we're gonna talk about basketball and we're talking about weather and yeah, and farming. farming. Sorry, um, basketball season. Texas Tech, one of the nine undefeated teams left. If you look at that undefeated map, um, we're, we've got the Southwest. Yeah, pretty much cornered. We we. Um, Border up against Nevada, their area, and Kansas. Coming for you. And Houston. We're, we're kind of in that little... If you, you can imagine those three locations. Um, we're kind of in the middle of that. Kansas picked up... Uh, Kansas and Nevada picked up some, some big ground when the, with the Gonzaga, Gonzaga loss recently. Um, everything's just setting up for a really interesting game next week. It just keeps it keeps going that way. We're we're heading into uh, a pretty well. I don't want to dog them too much, but a not very good Northwestern State team tomorrow night. But we're eight and zero heading into that, and you've beaten everybody by double digits. Yeah. Um, the game this past w- week, Arkansas Pine Bluff. You you did end up winning. You won by eighteen. Not your best outing. You dipped in some of the uh, the advanced stat rankings groups. I think it's because you did not beat them as handily as you were expected to. Um, I wasn't I wasn't paying like a hundred percent attention. I was I was busy. I was at, at church that night. I had the game on my phone, but I was also like we were we had a, a Nerf war, so I was like oh trying yeah, to get you shot pay too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had a, a, a fairly low offensive output at 65 points. Um, and then you, you held them to 47, which is pretty uh, on par for what you usually do. Their, their big score, scoring leader, uh, he got 25 points or 27 points, whatever it was, right around his season average. And then the rest of the team scored 20 points. So you, you held them outside of their, um, their scoring leader. Way way below average. Um, you kept winning. The thing that we we heard from from Chris Beard re- recently is, you know, he's thinking that we've seen maybe thirty minutes of good basketball in a game, and he said thirty minutes is not going to be enough to beat uh, an Abilene Christian. Thirty minutes is not going to be good enough to beat a Duke. It's not going to be good enough to beat Big Twelve opponents. Um, so you still got one more. You've got one more game before you even get to Abilene Christian next weekend, um, and that's coming up tomorrow night. Northwestern State. Yes, the demons. The demons from Louisiana. Is that a? Where are they coming from? Is that a? That sounds right. <laughs> Natchitoches, North Northwestern State Demons. Um, they are. Riding the struggle bus, two and seven, uh, and their only wins are over Alabama A and M and Centenary, right? Which is, was their first game of the season, and was pretty much a blowout. I, I did a little bit of math because uh, once I started looking at their records, 
you know, those seven losses all looked pretty bad. And turns out they were in, in those seven losses. Shocker. They have been outscored 402 points to 572. And that comes out to an average score of 57 to 82 for each of those losses. So they're averaging a 25-point loss. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, and if you go through the numbers and just look at it, it is. It's it's consistent. I mean, they, they might have lost some by 40 and some by 15, but <laughs> there's a lot of them that are 20, 25 points. So uh, there should not be any issue with Northwestern State. The demons shouldn't. And that that's what kind of worries me, too. Not worries me, but I wonder if the guys just know that. Same with Arkansas Pine Bluff. I mean, they weren't uh, – they're – we were talking about earlier. I mean, who was that guy? Uh, Martavius McKnight. Mm-hmm. He's a really good scorer, and he, of course, he had twenty-seven. He had twenty-seven of their forty-seven points that night. So they, there was a guy on there that was uh, plays at a really high level, um, but they still just, you know, Tech just did what they needed to do and took care of business. And I know about halfway through the first half, I think the game was within one or two points. They just kind of hung around and they were up by 10, you know, tech was up by 10 at halftime and it it just, it was just kind of lackadaisical and I, I kind of don't blame them at this point. They've gone through a pretty uh, easy stretch of basketball. Uh, you don't want to excuse anybody or, or say anything like that. But you know, when you've played Arkansas Pine Bluff and, um, Let's see who else was Northern Colorado and you've got Northwestern State coming and you know I Mem- wonder how many Memphis uh, was the one that was that gave them some trouble but they still overcame it I, I don't know I wonder how many random advertising pitches sorry advertising pitches we're gonna get on the podcast for dropping all these school names oh let's just keep going Northern Colorado USC Abilene Christian University. Nebraska, Memphis, University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, Arkansas Pine Bluff, <laughs> but they, uh, you know, they will have a test. Duke, uh, Duke. <laughs> they will have a test against Abilene Christian. I think. Yeah, they're currently Abilene Christians at nine and one on the season. I mean, yeah, they're not playing. You know, they're not playing Nebraska and USC and stuff, but they're they're a solid team. Probably a pretty good. Um, last game going into New York, you know, as opposed to like a Northwestern state where you're expected to roll. Um, you're not going to learn much or take much from that game. I think in terms of, I mean, uh, it's not like a Memphis or any of those other, the, the power five schools you played earlier. Um, not the worst team to be going into the game before Duke, but right. That though, so the Abilene Christian game is next Saturday. In the Coliseum, the throwback game in the Coliseum. Sorry, not next Saturday. This yeah, Saturday. this Saturday, the fifteenth. Going to that game. Got me and the fam some tickets, which fun. You you heard me purchase on the on the podcast last week. That's not me. Oh, there's a car alarm going off outside. Yeah, it's going way too fast. So I actually I set the the truck alarm off when I was sitting down. Yeah, when I first before got we here. started, I, it took me a good minute to figure out how to turn it off. It's a car alarm going off. Oh, well. I don't think they can hear it. They got it. It's off. It's not. Like I said, it wasn't me because the keys are across the table. <laughs> um, 
So we we mentioned the dip. Uh, Haslametrics has you at number forty three. Um, you dropped from twenty three to forty three. It's, it's, it's a kind considerable, of significant drop after one game that um, you won. Yep, you won. Uh, you you are continuing to rise in the the polls. Otherwise, you're number eleven in the AP poll. So you're still on track. If you win the next two games have a great shot to be in the top 10 going into the game against Duke. Really, I'm getting excited for this game and I probably shouldn't because I want to, I want to guard myself and that's like just a terrible fan attitude to have. Like I don't want to get too excited or too hopeful and then go up against like a, a Duke and like just get, lose a game that I think we should win or should have a good shot at winning when maybe that's not necessarily the case. Um, you got any, any thoughts? Going I, into I'm the just, game? I'm, I'm scared. Sorry. I'm scared of playing Williamson. I'm scared. I think he's going to, he's going to wreak havoc, but I, I don't want to. I'm not going to go in there with a defeatist attitude either. But it it is going to be a heck of a test for our guys. I'm trying to cover it the best way I can. Uh, I I think Tech will hang in there for sure. I still I think someone asked us last week in a question just straight up. I I don't see Tech winning it. But hey, I'd love to be wrong. I just don't. I just don't see it right now. So um, when you talk about going up against like a Zion Williamson. You have a guy committed and signed in Jemias Ramsey, who yeah. is your highest rated basketball recruit and commit ever. Um, I'd have to go back and look at his recruiting profile, but like top 40 like national athlete on the fringe of being a five-star player. It just has some ridiculous videos. Like there's a video that comes out basically every week of him destroying some poor soul. This week it wasn't fair. He was going up like some girl from his school or whatever, and, and he dunked on her. Yeah, but he, and like blew her over. Right, well, it doesn't. <laughs> she wasn't ready. Yeah, it it doesn't sound like it sounds much worse than it was. He was just kind of nonchalantly. If and I can't imagine this being a possibility. He was nonchalantly going up for a one handed dunk, and she she was coming from the other direction and kind of jumped up to to block it and. I don't think he even knew she was coming or was going to do that. But, yeah, she ended up on the ground. <laughs> but then, so, so some of his end-game highlights are also pretty ridiculous. Oh, like, man. Where, where he'll steal a ball, like, half court, and he's on, on a, a breakaway by himself, and then he'll throw an alley-oop to himself. He'll bounce it off the backboard. The hair. I love the hair, too. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about him. That'll be a player you're looking forward to, to joining the program next year. Um, currently I, you're still waiting for Kayvon Moore to be cleared to physical play. I think he's getting closer. Um, the guys you have, they're just, they're, they're over, overperforming my expectations at this point in the season. And not, not that you had a, like a tough schedule so far, but the, Relative ease, it looks like this team is having, even against your power five and your your, your bigger opponents, uh, has yeah. been a little surprising. Right, and defensively too. I, 
I knew that Owens was a great shot blocker, but I was worried about his size. He appears to have really stepped up, and and Labar mentioned it today on Staking the Plains, kind of kind of taking that uh, Zach Smith role this this year. Kind of like I think we sort of predicted that, or were hoping that he would kind of morph into that. And it's it seems like he has. He's he's uh, pretty dynamic on defense and uh, can be on offense as well. But I I was not expecting how effective he would he would be I would, you know with his size down low and you know, he Corporate nearly had a triple well. double the other day um he did what do you have nine rebounds or no no he had, so he, he had a double double and then he had he had a uh, eight blocks oh okay that's right so he had he had um 11 points 10 rebounds eight blocks very nearly had triple double and somebody else nearly had a, a triple double as well uh, it may have been Mooney. Kyler Edwards has been a fun guy to watch too. Yeah, watching him figure it out as a true freshman. Yeah, putting the pieces together. He's, I mean, he's playing a lot. I'd... And he, he, he's was previously your highest rated guy, right? Or was that Kayvon Moore? I think Moore. I think Moore was a four star as well. Actually, all good things with Chris Beard and his program. You bet. <laughs> um, Including. Moose knuckles, moose knuckle burgers. Um, so yeah, the there's a basketball game Northwestern State tomorrow night, Wednesday the twelfth. Then against Abilene Christian on the fifteenth in the Coliseum, and then you got a, a couple days off before you travel up to New York and take on the Blue Devils in Madison Square Garden, which I've heard is already sold out. I heard that too, which is fantastic. I know BJ Simmons is going, so if if y'all see him, be sure and tell him hello. Is Dan going? Uh, I'm not sure. I know that he planned on it, but I think something may have come up with his school that he couldn't go. Or oh, that's right, that's right. Something he, came up. He, he was he, he was a, planning on going, and I think he may have even had. Well, I'm sure he had stuff booked and ready to go, but I, I think something came up maybe a month ago, and it. I think it's going to thwart his plans, which really stinks. One more bit on basketball before we move on. Um. I'm not sure how to refer to her, but Claire Hale yes. committed to play basketball for Trinity University. Friend of the blog. Friend of the blog. Daughter of Travis Hale, who has been a, a longtime contributor for Double T Nation, Viva the Matadors, and now Staking the Plains. Um, his daughter is a senior in high school down in the San Antonio area. We'll play at Trinity, also in San Antonio. We had a neat piece on her today a, a, a commitment piece that we usually right. do for basketball or, or, or football players we had her dad we had travis uh do some some recruit um scouting on her and, yeah. we, and we had like a uh and a Q&A session with her yeah some analysis yeah that was so, that was great i, I would, I'm, I'm really happy for her and for Travis and their family, and uh, it's it's great that she's going to be close to home too. So yeah. they'll they'll be able to see her play a lot, I'd imagine. So if you haven't read that piece yet, Staking the Plains, um, Claire Hale commits to Trinity. Yep. So let's um, let's move on to questions. I, I have not been following questions. I've got them. I just know that my phone says I have twenty plus notifications from Twitter. Oh man. Okay. 
Well, let's see. Uh, some what, the way you asked it was, you know, we're back on the Nikes on the mics tonight. Send on the us Nikes, your, you know, send us your thoughts, questions. Also, weigh in on our hard hitting topic of top five movie vehicles. So we got a little bit of that in there too. Uh, that's why I'm seeing a lot of movie vehicle <laughs> rankings. Uh, I think I'm going to start with. Let's go. Let's go oldest to the newest. Let's just go all the way back. Who was who first? Um, it looks like Kirby Hokut knows more than you <laughs> at Old School Sig. Okay, so his first first question: If you're Cliff, do you do you get a place in the Hollywood Hills with a with a killer view? Sorry, <laughs> and short commit commute, or do you do something on the beach near Santa Monica Pier and increase your traffic grind? <laughs> We need this to be a House Hunters episode ASAP. Oh, man. A Cliff Kingsbury House Hunters episode? That's a great idea. I I read part of this before, and I didn't see that last part that he tucked in at the end. That needs to happen. And I'm I'm just going to go. I mean, if we go by his Twitter cover photo that we've already. He's going to the beach, We've man. already gone into detail. Yeah, he's. I think I think he's all about a pier. Maybe not Santa Monica or, or something, but. I think he might be close to the water and he'll probably have him a nice convertible and enjoy the drive and he'll just be some knows, guy. No one, no one's going to be like, oh my gosh, that's Cliff Kingsbury. They're just going to be like, oh, that's just some guy. That's some, some guy driving to work in his... Joe Schmo. Yeah, in and his, his drop-top Lexus or whatever. Kyle Jacobson, um, what does a successful recruiting class look like this year given the transition period? Well, one, you're still rebuilding your current commitment class, recruiting class. You're, you're kind of up against it with the early signing period that other, other programs that we are kind of comparing ourselves to haven't had to deal with. Um, although it, it's, it goes against the self-awareness. There were a lot of people that were talking about how Tom Herman didn't lose any recruits. One, you're not Texas. Two, Texas is a program that players commit to not, coach it's not a school that you commit to for a coach necessarily right right um so they were probably able to insulate themselves from a a large dip in recruiting um successful i mean you you've you've gotten pretty close to getting everybody back or you're well on your way sorry um successful recruiting class i'm going to say Gosh, I'm, I'm trying to come up with some arbitrary number, but not bottom third of the conference. So, so maybe maybe sixth. I'm gonna say Fifth. seventh or higher. Seventh or higher. Um, I, I think we're already seeing to, some successes in the fact that he's retaining, or you know, grabbing a couple of guys that had some trepidations once he was hired or once Kingsbury was fired. I mean, that's, that's kind of a good, a good way to start. Try to get the guys back on the, on your team already. The, the next question I, I think is interesting though. He also asked moving forward, what will qualify as a successful class for Matt Wells and company? Cause I, I think expectations should be a lot higher year two. So your 2020 signing class and beyond. Um, I may have jumped the gun with my, reasoning there that I to me that qualifies as successful 
it's trying to retain the guys that you have that uh, sort of decommitted, quote unquote, when the coaching change mm-hmm. happened. And I think it goes back to kind of what you were saying. Just you just don't want to be in the bottom, bottom, bottom of the <laughs> of the conference. Um. So yeah, I I would think year two. I think you need to be top half, and consistently no lower than fourth. Yeah. Please. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, Red Red Reset, man. All right. Do you think Wells should have kept one or two of the previous coaches? Emmett Jones, Clay McGuire, anyone? I think he might have been slipping on his pimpin when he cleaned house. I'm not sure what that means. I wanted you to read that. I just wanted to see. I just wanted to see you read that. Not sure what that means. Um, If you've been following along, Emmett Jones was actually hired hired at Kansas today, or was announced today. Oh, I didn't know that. I put it in Slack, man. What have you been doing? Working. <laughs> um, same position. He, he will be the wide receivers coach at Kansas. I don't know about McGuire. We did see that uh, Kingsbury hired Mike Jinks as the running back coach. I saw that, at USC. yeah. Yeah. Um, so here, here's here's my thought. I think it goes back to when you're you're hiring a new coach, you want them to hire and build the staff that they want. Um, I think we saw this pretty clearly with what happened with Kansas state this past weekend. Yes. It looked like they were going pretty hard after Seth Luttrell, but had stipulations in there that Luttrell would had to keep some of the existing staff. And Luttrell's like, no, I want, I want my own guys. This, these are the guys I was successful with. These are the guys I think we can be successful with. And you're telling me I can't do that. I don't want to. Be, I don't want to coach here. I don't want to be in that kind of environment. Same kind of thing. If if you want to give a coach like well, like Matt Wells, the best opportunity to be successful, you let him run the program he how he wants to run it, within the obviously the guidelines of being ethical and within the, the rules, whatever. But like in terms of hiring coaches, you want him to be able to hire whoever he wants, and not like. Well, that's great. You, you you can hire eight of your ten coaches, but you're going to keep these two guys because they used to coach in Texas. Well, and he may have considered it and then just decided against it or felt more comfortable with the guys that he had. Uh, you know what? Reset Man's asking. You know, he's not saying that we should have forced him to keep one or two of his coaches. Just if we thought that's one true. of these guys would have been beneficial for him to keep, I think Jones would have been. Uh, good for him to keep. I think he had good connection with recruits, but Wells probably felt like, you know, he already kind of had that covered, even though he hadn't been down here as much and had to probably will have to learn some stuff on the fly a little bit. Uh, I'm blanking on the, our strength guy. Schultz. No. Uh, Rusty Witt. Wit. Yeah. Was that like, was that was one that kept getting bringing current up current or most previous <laughs> and Shire kept getting kept getting brought up to Shire and, yeah so I we definitely had some good coaches that warranted Wells to look at keeping um, I don't fault him for it it's just kind of part of it when a head coach gets fired you kind of know that 
just about everything else is going to be rolling out the door with him. So I'd, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he, it wouldn't have hurt him to keep a couple of them, but I can't dictate that for sure. That's a very terrible answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> the more I talked, the less I was convincing anyone, not even myself. Yeah. So there are still a few remaining spots on the staff and it looks like Wells is going to wait till after the early signing period has concluded to finalize the staff. So there are at least two positions available. I think it's linebacker and defensive line coaches. Um, there are a couple of guys from his his previous staff at Utah State that remained at Utah State, hmm. and I don't think that that's a indication that they're not going to be joining Texas Tech. I think he had to leave somebody there to help coach them the bowl game to get them through the bowl game. Like it would have been a really it would have looked really bad if he just said, "Okay, all ten guys are coming with us right now. Strength staff is coming with us. You you guys have a bowl right. game to play in a month, and you have no coaching staff. Good luck. Good luck, everybody. That that would have been a bad look." Um. He left a few guys behind, and again, I don't know if these guys are going to be the one are going to be tr- making the transition to Lubbock. I think one of the guys that we would like to see make that jump is uh, Male, 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 MacGyver. Um, still to be seen if, if he's going to end up staying at Utah State. They did rehire uh, Gary Anderson back to take over after Wells has left. Um, so we'll, we'll see if, if how, how he builds his staff. If, if he want to retains, if he wants to retain some of those last two guys from Wells' staff. Right. Um, and if not, you, you've got the opportunity to go and grab the next Emmett Jones, if you will. You can go to Duncanville or DeSoto, Oak Cliff, South Oak Cliff High School. It's like, hey, you got <laughs> – you want to be a linebacker coach for me and help me recruit DFW or somebody from the Houston area that I'm not familiar with. Cause I don't know Houston. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how he wraps up his staff. Um, I, I just, I just don't think one that you should expect a coach to retain, sorry, a new head coach to retain any of the existing staff. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to make that a, that a stipulation on a, on a new hire. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how that works out. The next question, Shane Huffman, any way we can get Michael Labar on the episode for a possible Red Raiders update? So here's the thing. I think that's a great idea. And I think with the timing of everything, cause today's the 11th, the signing period starts what the 19th. I think so. Um, now it may set him up to look very poorly or to look pretty bad. But if we had him on next week, the 18th, to give us an update, like here's here's where we are, um, it would it would publish right before signing day starts. So, well, he he replied to that. Re- recruiting is always like real crazy. I didn't, I didn't see the reply. What he, he said, Labar replied to it and said, "Update: Coaches go places and talk to people <laughs> about football and stuff." What a douchey thing to say. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> then Shane replied with some fire and said, "Now that's the kind of hot take we need." Yeah. So. Labar, if you're listening, an hour into the episode, I had to check our timer. Yeah. We have a timer. We'd love to have you on next week, man. Sure. This is your official invitation. 
there was another invitation that we, we still need to we still need to make, and it's to Casey Cowan. That's right. That would be a fantastic evening, I believe. I just don't know with his professional schedule, especially with the holidays, if there's a an evening available for. There's probably a place sl- available. Slumming it with us, podcasters. Podcasters. We're like um, bloggers. We're, we're talking. Oh, we are talking bloggers. We're talking bloggers. That would be a great name for a podcast. Why didn't we do that? The talking bloggers. The talking bloggers. <laughs> Update next week. We will be the talking bloggers podcast at tortillatown.com. Um, Adele, for your ranking considerations, back to talking about the top five top movie five cars. vehicles. Yep, yep. Bullet Mustang. It made the list. General Lee made our list. Smoking the Bandit, Smokey and the Bandit, Pontiac Trans Am. Yes. All three were on either our, our top five or honorable mention lists. Delightful vehicles. So way to go, Adele. You read our mind. We were reading yours. Cooper Burnett. So, okay. He, he throws out a list, and I'm going to have... I'm going to say I have, an, I have an issue with his number one. We weren't specific to cars or trucks no. when we said vehicles but his number one is the millennium falcon yeah that's pretty good that's hard to beat and it's it's i wish i'd have thought more of that right when i, when I saw that I'm like well dang it i, I could have thought of a yeah. cool spaceship the falcon would have been great um number two delorean when it hits 88 miles per hour you're gonna see some serious stuff pg-13 helicarrier from the avengers the flying aircraft carrier he says, seems kind of unnecessary, to be honest, but still cool. I would agree. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, hard pass in number four, Polar Express, free hot chocolate. A, a I'm, train I'm, I'm not a, a big lot enough, of upkeep on a train. I'm not, I'm not a big enough fan of hot chocolate to want to go on a Yeah, a and, and then you've got to, there's that, there's that section where you just go across a lake, that just, a frozen lake with no track, that, that just seems <laughs> a little haphazard. And then uh, number five was actually on our list, oh, I, as well as number two, the Rumbler from the Dark Knight trilogy, because Batman. That's a that's a great, a great one. I'll, I really like the I like the original Batmobile too from uh, the Tim Burton movies with Michael Keaton. That funky, crazy looking Batmobile that was probably like twenty five feet long, and, and, and the ones from it, it um, was pretty much built around a jet turbine. 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 Um, and the Turbine. One, the ones from uh, the Val Kilmer and George Clooney. Oh, those are pretty rough. You can see stuff like shaking on them as they drive around. With Yeah. Yeah, those are pretty sad. So Tyson Linerose, again, if, if we butcher your name, sorry. This is, I think, his first question. So thanks for joining us on the podcast, Tyson. Does Optimus Prime count? If you have a CDL, yes. <laughs> If if the Millennium Falcon counts, then Optimus Prime counts. Yeah. So then he gives us his top five. Five, Optimus Prime. Eleanor from Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, Porsche 928 from Risky Business. I haven't seen this one. That's pretty good. But Porsche pretty good. 61 Ferrari GT2250 California Spider. Um. I don't know if it's the same year the one I listed, but it's from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It may have been a very similar body style between those those years. It's got to be the same car, though. Well, it, the car he from the movie. So if we're talking about whatever that whatever car that car is from the movie, yes, we agree. Oh, okay, okay. Um, 
Green Goblin semi truck or maximum overdrive. I actually thought of maximum overdrive, Tyson, and then I forgot to put it in my honorable mentions later. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Do you know what he's talking about, Spencer? No. Oh, this is a. I'm gonna look it up right now. This is a crazy movie that was the the complete and total soundtrack was done by ACDC. And that's a good start. Their song "Who Made Who" it was kind of the big song of the movie. And what it is is a comment comes to Earth, and while this, it, it kind of leaves. The, I, I'm I'm gonna butcher this. Sorry, I haven't seen this movie in probably 20 years. But this comment comes to Earth, and it in, impacts all of the mechanical things on Earth to where they have a mind of their own now. And so Emilio Estevez is working at this truck stop, and all of a sudden these trucks start circling the truck stop on their own. You know, steamrollers are running over kids at Little League games, and the Coke machines are spitting out Cokes and killing people, and, uh, you know, anything electric can, this, this, or anything mechanical, it doesn't have matter if it's electric or not, can can hurt you or kill you or whatever. It's a crazy movie, and it seemed like it always came on cable when I was a kid, and it always freaked me out, and I know exactly what he's talking about with that. It was a toy truck. It uh, had hauled toys for some toy company, and it had this crazy-looking goblin thing on the grill of it with red eyes, and it happy was kind dots. of the leader. Happy dots. That sounds right. That or sounds happy toys. Yeah, I had, there was that was some nightmare fuel for me as a kid because I loved cars. I was obsessed with them, and then the idea of them coming alive to try to kill me was oh, it's really a Stephen King movie. It was tough for me to swallow, dude. I'm gonna have to go like so. I when you were describing that scene when the trucks are circling, I was like that sounds familiar. Like enough, or like I could see it. Yeah, like, I think I've seen part of this movie. I'm, I'm, you probably have. It, it has come on cable so many times, and the other, you know, I think the opening scene of it is. Back to, you know how Blues Brothers had an opening scene where they jump a drawbridge that opens? This drawbridge opened on its own with all the cars on it. So all the cars were still on it and people were, you know. Got, there, there's a lot of carnage. A lot of carnage in this I'm movie. I'm going to have to go check this out. I'm excited. But yeah, a kid. A <laughs> kid a movie gets, I want to go watch now. I'm pretty sure a kid gets run over by a steamroller trying to run away from it during a, after his Little League game. He's on his bicycle and he falls and <laughs> steamroll there's another one where an army truck and an ar- not an army truck but an army jeep with with a a machine gun on the back of it pulls up and shoots up the truck stop because it can good times uh th- they force they force the people to put gas in them <laughs> they they force the people to put diesel and gas in the trucks it's it's wild man um so i'm I'm always amused when people change their name on Twitter and not their handle, but their name. Yeah. So still skipping's name on Twitter now is the brisket wanter. That's great. That's so good. Um, he asked how recording go. We saw this four hours late, but someone to ask a question. Uh, I'm glad you, you, you chimed in and said, yeah, yeah I was started. There. So there's still time. Um, and then he, he finally, he responded. Do you think we're going to have a weather, a have to weather a, quote, NASCAR offense effect as we transition from Cliff's not really an air raid anymore offense to a more generic college spread. Yeah, because... I thought of that too. The big difference we, we saw with, with Neil Brown is it was a lot of horizontal passing. It was a lot of wide receiver flanker screens and a lot of draws. 
Um, no, I I haven't done like play call analysis on Yost to see what he does a lot to say. Here's what you can expect. Um, it's it's obviously it's going to be different from what we've seen in Texas Tech the past few years. We we've seen it even change year to year while the staff was the same. We saw probably the biggest difference this year with Kevin Johns. Um, ooh, new tweet from Matt Wells. Wreck him. Oh, man. I set up a, uh, a an alert, so anytime he tweets, I, I get a notification. So, so he just signed Breaking news. 10.06, Tuesday, December 11th. Wreck him. Wow. But to Brian's point, he needs to put a, an apostrophe in there. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I I think there will be some groaning for those that are a little more familiar with the X's and O's of the game. Um, you're going to see a difference in the offense. I, I can't speak to exactly what that's going to look like because I haven't done enough analysis either way. You could probably look to, to a guy like Ian Boyd to have some kind of analysis on that kind of level. Um, but yeah, there's probably be some... Um, some groaning because one, there may be some periods of ineffectiveness and you're like, right. man, if we just had Kingsbury, we, we would be great. Well, what's, what's going to happen is people are going to fit, forget that like, well, there was a lot of times when Kingsbury's offenses were ineffective and not moving the ball. Um, I just would really, really hate to see going like the super up tempo speed that Yost has been talking about, yeah, and go three and out. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna come back and talk about because I know that that was emphasized a lot with Brown and Tuberville is we're gonna go fast, we're gonna go fast, and bloop bloop bloop. And then, I won't go fast. Yeah, and if you're not first, you're last. And and Kingsbury did that a couple of years too, where the, the emphasis was there. It was how many how many seconds in between snaps, you know, fast as fast can possibly be. And with the hope of wearing out the opponent's defense when actually it just wore out your defense. Yeah, faster. when you get one first down, that's not really going to wear anybody out. And that's sometimes you didn't get that. That's what I'm the most worried about is if uh, if if we get out there and go three and out or get one first down or you know get 20 yards on a drive and a minute and a half has gone off the clock you kind of think are we is this is this just what we're going to do every single time just because that's what we do uh but that kind of goes back to your point of there's going to be some growing pains cuz they may just have to stick with things that they feel will work even if they're not working right that second but then i also have to like i have to believe i don't have to believe i'm i'm choosing to believe yes you do you must oh you must believe <laughs> the tools available to Yost and Wells at Texas Tech far superior to what they had available at Utah State. The receiving talent, the offensive line, the running backs, all that, much, much better than Utah State. Not that I think the Texas Tech offense is going to be lights, you know, or leaps and bounds better than Utah State because you're obviously going to be having to deal with a step up in defensive competition as well. Yeah, yeah. But when you think about it. Goes both ways, man. Like, Alan Bowman without question, is better than the quarterback at Utah State, Love, whatever his first name was. I'm sorry, dude. Their their wide receiving core, I don't think had a guy like like an Anton Wesley on it, but like they're going to have weapons at Texas Tech that I don't think they're, they were used to at Utah State, and they were still really successful. 
So I'm encouraged there because it would be one thing if they were, if they had like moderate success and had like tools and talent and skill available to them comparable to what they'd have at, at Texas Tech. They won't. They're going to, it's going to be a, a, a marked step up. Should so. be. Drew Borsellino. Just saw y'all haven't recorded it, so let me slide one in here. I appreciate his slide one in here because it, it gave me the mental image of um, Collinsworth sliding into that broadcast. Oh, that's been, gosh, Al that's Michaels. been really so caught good. on this year. And dude, dude was wearing a, a, a turtleneck the last week. It was so good. Without saying the same, this is a good question. Without saying the same, will Texas Tech have a better record in 2019 than they did in 2018? So we're saying, are they going to be four and eight or worse or six and six and better? I'm going to say better. I'm going to say Texas Tech will be at least six and six in 2019. All right. Here's, here's where this is bad radio. Cause I agree. I, I, I feel the same way. A lot of it has to do with the big 12 itself. You know, Kyler Murray is going to be gone, but OU is still going to be great. Will, Will, Will Greer's gone. Will Greer's gone. All those receivers are gone. Ellinger will still be around. I think Texas will probably be towards the top of the conference, if not at the top next year, unfortunately. I think you could probably make an argument that they could overtake OU. Yeah, they, they could. Because of the, the, the loss they're going to have on offensive talent. Yeah, you, when you lose your Heisman back-to-back Heisman guys, you – Unless he pulls oh, another way, rabbit out of the hat. By the way, Kyler Murray won the Heisman this weekend. Did you know that? I I heard about that. Did you know it was? Do you know he used to, to play at A and M? Do you know that Oklahoma didn't re- didn't recruit either one of their past? Neither one. Did Man, you know? Did you know they worked at other? Did you know that um, <laughs> Lincoln Riley was like the only coach that has won or has taken his team in the first two years to the college playoff and had Heisman winners like. Do you know that Kyler Murray plays baseball? Do you know that he's going to make millions of dollars next year, whatever he's playing? Oh, but what if he what if he doesn't play football? Is that just the dumbest move ever? Because a lot of people are arguing that it's really dumb to do one and not the other, and I don't care. Congratulations, <laughs> Murray. I mean that. <laughs> Dude, I could not – I still could not believe how fast he was when he played tech. I hadn't watched much OU ball, but my gosh, what a fast kid. So, okay, what – Anyway, really, sorry. Hold on before we move off this. But what bothered me most about the Heisman presentation this weekend, on the cable schedule, listed from 7 to 8 p.m. Yeah. I tuned at 7.45. I was like, they're, I'm going to catch the, the the end of them just talking about the candidates, get to the, the announcement and the, the – the presentation and the thank you speech. They announced Kyler Murray as the winner of the Heisman at eight Oh three. I was like, if you're going to roll into the next program, like you had to know this was coming. Well, it's just like I used to stay up when I cared. I would stay up late enough to see who won best picture at the Oscars. I, I don't, and it's I the same way. It was always five, 10 minutes after the, the show was supposed to end. They would finally say it. This was when I was in high school or whatever, and I was interested in it. And it just it just always irked me because you, you tune in, and it's 9.30 or whatever, and like it's over at 10. And so, okay, I'll, I'll tune in now. No, you've, you've got 45 minutes. 
to wait. All right. So 2019, you you're going to agree with me that Texas is going to be better than five and seven. Yes. Are you saying six and six? Or are you saying better? I'm saying six and six. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying right now. I, because here's here's where I I think you have a great shot of being better. Um, one, your non-conference schedule in 2019 is more winnable than your 2018. You had Ole Miss and Houston on this schedule. You you split those games. Next year, you've got Arizona. Yeah, they had a rough year. They were rough. And the other two games are like Montana State and somebody else. I don't remember who it was. I don't either. So you've got a better chance of going 3-0 and in non-conference, and then you just need to win three games. So, you should have beaten Baylor this past season. I, I, I think that'll still stand. You should have beaten Kansas State this year. I think that'll still stand. Even like you'll be going up against a new coach, a winner at Kleeman, Chris Kleeman from North Dakota State. They finally hired that guy. Um, I think you'll have a great shot to beat West Virginia. Oh my gosh, I did it again. West Virginia. There's so many R's. There's one R, but. Um, it's in Morgantown, though. TCU? It doesn't matter. TCU. <laughs> they don't have Will Greer. They don't have Sills. They don't have Jennings. I'm not I'm not intimidated by much nobodies. Should have a, I'm claiming that. December of 2018. Man, you write are. it down so when we, when we come back, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're going to. I gonna... told you. <laughs> well, yeah, Big Book It or whatever it is. Um, TCU lost their their starting quarterback. He's transferring out. You don't you would expect the the guy behind him is going to be better than Sean. Yeah, Robinson. I was about to say that's not going to really hurt. Um, K State lost their one of their right. starting quarterbacks. Kansas is going to be an enigma. We're not sure what their the less miles effect is is going to have. Probably going to go like eight and four or something. Um, or something. You've got a, a very winnable schedule next year, even though you've got Texas and Oklahoma on the road. You're not sure what Oklahoma's going to be without Kyler Murray. Um, Rodney Anderson's gone. Um, Marquise Brown and CeeDee Lamb are likely gone. Yep. So there's a lot of, of rebuilding teams around, or not re- reloading teams around. A lot like this year, you may have an opportunity to be to kind of sneak up and win more games than maybe you would have otherwise expected because the rest of the conference is down. So I'm going to stick with it, you know, December 11th, 2018, that the 2019 season will win six games or better or more. Michael says six and six exactly. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Well, that was the last question. So thanks for those, everybody. Appreciate the interaction. Um, Michael, what have you learned this week? Unfortunately, it's something I started off the podcast with, but I just can't get over it. There's a place called Moose Knuckles and Posts, and I need to get a cheeseburger there. That's what I learned. When when Beard started talking about Post, I knew that he liked jerky, so I thought he was going to talk about Jackson Brothers Um, just off the main drag there in Post where you can get some of the best jerky I've ever had. And they're they're a butcher, so it's just Jackson Brothers meat or Jackson Brothers butchery. Uh, butcher, 
Butchers. Yeah, I can't remember exactly the full name, but it's a great place to stop and get you some. There was a local some of the best jerky you'll ever get. Meat shop butcher butcher shop that popped up in my my Twitter timeline. I was like, hey, that'd be a pretty pretty solid podcast sponsor. Yeah. I can't remember who it was okay. at this point, but well, you've brought Klimke's jerky over here before. This yeah. podcast was literally fueled by Klimke's jerky one day tonight. It's sponsored. It's not sponsored. I'm going to say Klimke's again. <laughs> <laughs> Klimke's Klimke's in Slayton, Texas, right next to Slayton Bakery, where we've bought the Reckham's cookies before, or I did. I've never I've never stopped at Slayton Bakery. Really. That's great. You got to go. You got to get a thumbprint cookie. I can make those at home, though. What am I? Yeah, but these are different. They're like little tiny. They're really small sugar cookies, and the and the icing is about the exact same size as the cookie, and they're little bite size things. <laughs> they're great. So what I learned today was Michael has an unhealthy obsession with these cookies. I, I do. I have an unhealthy obsession with lots of foods, <laughs> lots of sweets. Yeah. Um, speaking of food, really quickly, I went to West Table tonight. I'm not about the fancy tricked up dining experience. Which is why you hate on my craft house. It is. Recommendation, which is recommendation. You're just so wrong. <laughs> Recommend so, recommendation. You know what I mean? So there are literally like two restaurants in town that I'm like, no, it's not, that's not my kind of food. It's craft house and West table. I went to West table tonight. You're so incorrect. Um, I will kind of agree with you because we got, um, the what were they? Crab, the crab hush puppies. Oh my! I, I didn't have any of those. I wasn't. I'm not about seafood. We got the sweet and spicy chicken wings. Those were that had a really good sweet heat to it. And then I got the um, the lamb chops. My first time having lamb. Very reminiscent to a a fairly thick ribeye steak. Really good. <laughs> um, you should go I'm back to Craft I, House. I'm glad I tried something that wasn't steak. Um, I got to try the uh, braised short rib and the double, the double bone-in um, pork chop. All good things tonight. I was I was telling you before we started. Also, I think our bill for four people was like two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, it's pretty expensive. <laughs> West Table's expensive. Uh, Craft House is not as expensive. Um, it's it's closer to, oh, I don't know, just about anywhere you go, ten, twelve bucks, or something. For most most things, you can get a little bit more expensive. But West Table, when my wife and I went, I had a flank steak with with a chimichurri sauce on it, which was excellent. And I just thought that I, that I had uh, really scored high points on my order until I tried the braised short ribs that she had probably one of the best things I've ever had at a restaurant. So good. Unreal. How it, 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 this is going to sound so dumb. It tasted so beefy. (laughs) I don't know how else to explain it. It it didn't taste like just broth or something. I mean, it tasted like the essence of beef. It was great. Yes. Good one. Um, so I'm thinking we're probably need to get together for lunch again. We're gonna have to have Keith introduce us someplace new because Joel's was a, was a hit. You bet, Joel's he, was great. He probably knows of all these uh, these great 
un untapped. Well, you like you just learned a one that you mentioned on this podcast about some some place to get a burger. Yeah, Cuevas was one. Uh, still, I still I've heard nothing but great things about the burgers at Christakis. Yes, from Keith and I. Yeah. And I I don't know if anyone else has had them or not, but yeah, the Christakis makes a great great burger, especially their the one with the pastrami on it. Went to Caprock this week. Fantastic. Oh man, I'm I got the jealous. down and dirty chicken strip wrap. Oh, it was so good. Down and dirty is a of good course sauce. I had to get some queso. Yeah, you've got to. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So, I think that'll do it for us this week on the Twenty Three Personnel Podcast. Join us next week as we get ready for Duke. <laughs>